Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump. Hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer JJ Englert. Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus and our special guest for today, Alex Broadstock, a content creator and business owner in New York City. How are we doing, gentlemen? We are fantastic. Doing great. Great. Stoked. Yes, sir. Great. Alex, thanks for joining us, man. We're super excited to have you on the podcast. We've been following your work for a while, and we just love it. So I know you're going to drop some gems for our audience. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's, hope, let's hope we can help. So so before we you know start diving into any specific details, you know, first of all, Alex, just want to say you know thanks again for coming on and setting aside the time to... Uh, to chat with us and our audience here. We're super stoked on it. And uh, before we, we dive into the specifics, you know, just introduce us how you got introduced into this this wonderful world of, of filmmaking and, and overall just content creation. Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me. Appreciate the time. Um, yeah, I always down to help other people. But um, yeah, I feel like my story is very similar to a lot of people who grew up in America and who are content creators. I know I just listened to... Uh, Sam Newton's and we have a very similar path, yeah. even though he does completely different things than me. But um no, you yeah, don't I just do started rap high videos school. or anything like that. You know, maybe I'll get into it, but <laughs> Sam's, Sam's got that on lock. I don't think yeah, I do that. He's got the, the bars. <laughs> yeah. He'd be destroy me in a rap battle. percent. There's no question. Yeah. Um but no, yeah, very similar just in high school, like uh had a friend who whose mom had a camera. Um, and we just like messed around with it and had a bunch of fun. Um, and then eventually started taking portraits of friends and spent a summer, like taking a photo every day just to try to learn. Um, and I started out in photography and basically did photography up until like solely photography up until like 2016, 2017. Um, so only recently changed the video, but, um, yeah, just like messing around in high school, having fun. And then. Um, eventually started to think about it as a business and shot some weddings. Um, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and then moved to uh, Columbus when I went to Ohio State. Go um, Bucks, baby. Go Bucks. O-H-I-O. Uh, and, yeah, my wife went there. Oh, nice. O-H. O-H, yeah. I'm from Cincinnati, yeah. bro. I didn't know you grew up in Dayton. That's awesome. Are you really? Yeah. yeah. Dude, my yeah. brother lives in Cincy. My family's still back in Dayton. Okay. Yeah. We go down okay. to Cincy all the time, yeah. Let's do it. I love it's strong. Yeah, it's that's awesome. Um, yeah, so it, when I went to Ohio State, I just shot weddings for like a solid three summers as a student. Um, mm-hmm. I worked as a photographer for the university for a little bit, um, and then eventually, like, started going on trips uh, and just doing outdoor adventure photography. Uh, I worked at the climbing gym as well at Ohio State and had some opportunities to do content for them. Um, it's like documenting trips and trying to sell those trips, but also just doing personal trips um, and just like having fun doing photos. So it was really a mix of travel stuff that was just self-funded and and fun with friends and then also the wedding stuff. Um, But then eventually, like I feel like a lot of photographers feel this way is that the clients just start asking for video work. Um, So then I took an internship at a production company in Columbus for a summer, which is great. Learned so much like i i remember talking to my friend who hired me for that job and 
he was like, yeah, you get to meet the DPs and the directors. And I was like, what's a DP? <laughs> like, I had no idea. I didn't know anything about the video world. I like just as a photographer, I was like, I have no idea, like how you even make a video, like all the complicated things that go into it. But, um, went a lot that summer and then just eventually started doing my own thing and, um, worked at, I don't know if you guys have passion passport, um, big they have a big instagram community but also do a bunch of client work so you spent some time working at internships you spent some time working at a full-time job in a video production company how long were you at that video production company uh before you decided to leave and go freelance it, it was it was an internship i was only there for three months okay um and it was a, it was an editor job and i was on set maybe a couple times but okay um definitely learned so much from that process and then after that, you were just like freelance all the way, or what was that switch from that internship to freelance for you? What did that look like? Um, well, that was I was still in school. I graduated twenty eighteen, um, okay. so that was like summer of twenty seventeen. Um, but I was I was doing work on the side through college, basically, and doing both video and photo stuff. Um, and I remember like towards the end of my senior year, probably like right after first semester, I even actually first semester, I knew exactly what I would do and it wasn't my major. Mm -hmm. And I just like had those conversations with my professors, like, Hey, I just want to do this. Like, let me have the time to do it. And they're so receptive of it. Um, so I basically just knew I wanted to do freelance after graduating because I had, um, I had clientele that I knew could, I could support myself with, um, and connections and just knowing that, the production company route was not my favorite way to do it. I just like the freedom of being freelance and also the mm -hmm. creative freedom of, of managing your own projects rather than um, sure. yeah, working on, under a director. Or yeah, but, but going freelance is also a little scary. You know, it's like, how, how do you find these clients? How do I put together this business? How did you navigate that, that transition for yourself? It is scary, but I think it was just the like previous three years of doing weddings and mm -hmm. also doing like smaller projects that I made enough that I knew I wouldn't starve. And okay. I knew that it was really the only way that I wanted to do things. So, um, uh, there's a lot of word of mouth, um, and outreach in the beginning stages right after college of just like sending out emails and, um, linking up with people who are in the creative agents or the creative world, um, mm -hmm. just to see how they managed it. Um, but it was also a ton of luck in finding like a couple big clients straight out of college that, um, were basically able to just support myself through those like couple of clients. Did um, you, and it really is just yeah, luck. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, how did you find those big clients without a portfolio? I mean, I assume your portfolio at that time was just wedding films. Um, it was actually photos. It was ma mainly photos, but okay. we actually, uh, like senior year of college, um, we have a friend, Red, who uh, was working at this company in Norway that did all these excursions. So we went up there and this is actually how I met my business partner, Chris, was on that trip in the airport. But we shot this film, this travel film, um, and the company loved it and actually went on to be in a film festival, which is crazy. Um, so we had like a great base, at least I, yeah, a good base of like video content and photo content that... Um, could hold up to bigger clients but um yeah it was the first one you like meeting united airlines was such a blessing because 
yeah, they're able to help me grow and just have work. Um, and I met them on a basically a side. I was like second shooting for Passion Passport at the time, and we were just on this trip in Singapore and became friends with uh, the social media people. And yeah, it was just like a lot of luck that ended up, yeah, becoming this beautiful relationship and um, like a very solid <laughs> place to start a freelance career. I'd say so. I, yeah. I, I love I love the humility, man. Um, <laughs> you keep you keep using the word luck, but I, I, you know, in my opinion, I, I think what a lot of that sounds like to me, at least, is is resourcefulness, um, and, and recognizing, uh, you know, recognizing the opportunities when they're there. You know, I mean, how, I mean, how how different do you think your your life would be? You know, if you didn't take advantage of the opportunity when you were out second shooting to to get to know the the social media creators. You know, how much does building these these relationships and networking how much does that impact you and how much has that furthered your career by just taking that extra step to to get to know people better um for instance even you know when you were uh doing your internship um and you got the opportunity to kind of help out with delta and stuff i mean like using these different opportunities um and, and i guess stretching them as much as you can how much has that aided you in in your growth thus far dude it's everything like it seriously is everything. And it's also like the best part of, of I feel like being in a creative world and also being freelance is like you have this like incredible network of really dope people. Um, and yeah, it really it truly is everything. But it also is like half of it's just being a good human. Like, yeah, and just like being ready for those situations. And, and it's more of just like being interested in other people rather than like trying to network in my like in my case, I just like love meeting people. Uh, I love, like talking creatively with people. Um, mm -hmm. And it like is seriously the best way to view it. It's like, it's not trying to view it as like, Oh, this could be a potential client. It's just like, what do you do? Like, how do you view creativity in your brand and things like that? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, being a good person is a lot of it. Making those connections is like the biggest part, mm -hmm. but then, then you got to deliver you know, on that content and really make dope stuff, Totally. you know? So yeah. when it came to working with United and whatnot, like how did you prepare for those, those bigger videos? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it's just, yeah. I mean, you just kind of deliver on what you know and what you're inspired by. Yeah. Like a lot of times we do like a lot of inspiration nights before just to get the, the gears turning. But I remember actually the very first United project I did was for the New York Marathon. Uh, it was just this like small social piece, but it was the, <laughs> this is right. I, I had a really bad bike accident, um, and I broke nine teeth and like cut up my face really bad. Um, so I showed up. <laughs> I showed up. It was like four in the morning. We had to meet because it was the marathon, <laughs> and it was like pitch black out in New York. I was like walking <laughs> around trying to find this person I didn't know, and I looked like a homeless person because all my teeth were gone and I couldn't <laughs> smile or talk. And this is like before the pandemic when you could really hide anything so it was like a nightmare scenario of like meeting this big <laughs> client for the first time but um yeah we ended, it ended up being great and like i made friends with the people and it was like they're some of my closest yeah friends now but um, damn you talked about like inspiration yeah. nights what does that look like for you you know because like your your videos are super vibey great sound design great music and great shots like how does that inspiration come to you? How how do you like prepare for those types of shots and uh, to make sure that you're getting that stuff for your edits? Um, it really just ends up being like 
just a deep dive into the internet. Uh, we like just throw Vimeo up and just watch Vimeo videos and like go to the directors who shot these videos and like go deep into their worlds of their creativity and just like find little beats, bits and pieces through these videos that we really like. And we just like take note of it. Um, whether it's like a camera angle or a movement or even just the vibe or the soundtrack or the way they edit it, just really anything that like pops out, um, just like write down and like save for later or screenshot. But it really is just like, a dump of creativity and you just try to pick these little pieces in there that really vibe with you or that you really think, Oh, I like you have a shoot, like going into it, like the shot might work because it's this product or yeah. It's really just like watching a ton of stuff, listening to a lot of music, watching movies and just like picking apart these little moments and these little emotions that you could like translate. What's up, guys? We're back at it with our season-long sponsor, AudioSocket, the premier music licensing company. They've been around for about 12 years now. They have over 80,000 songs in the library, and they add over 100 new songs every single week. They have trending indie bands, DJs, hip-hop artists, Grammy-winning composers, and so much more. AudioSocket is a brand that has values of love and loyalty, and they strive to ensure that everything that they do includes this. So it's just a really good company that we feel really good about endorsing. Absolutely. You know, that's why we have them on the podcast is, is just how much they do for creators as, as well as the artists that they work with. Um, it, guys, it, it just it goes without saying you got to check them out. Plans start at just $10 a month. On Ooh. top of that, if you use the link listed in our bio or our description, yep. you can actually get the first month free. Go around, that's explore, good. check out all the different music they have to offer. Not only that, we've actually got some curated playlists already built out for you guys with some of our favorite music from the platform. So you can go check those out now. Be sure to check them out, audiosocket.com. Yep, link in bio. Let's go. So Alex, we've talked about how you got started as a content creator. We've talked about your internships that have led you from photo to video to learning more about video. Talked about how you worked during the summers as a wedding videographer, or sorry, wedding photographer. Um, and then also you started to go on vacations to uh, record travel videos. And that's kind of how you banked up that portfolio work. You also made connections to folks at United where you started making their socials. Um, and this kind of helped you build up that portfolio along the way. Um, let's get into your travel stuff and how you started to really kind of focus this as your niche. When you go on travel videos, what does that look like? What does your gear look like as you're starting to, you know, prepare for, you know, getting those shots and stuff? And what kind of gear do you travel with? Well, right now it's completely different than like when I used to travel for fun and for with friends. Um, back then it was like uh, I had an A7R2 for the longest time. That's when I like I bought that right when I started doing video, thinking that it would be a lot better with the log and um, basically transitioning from like a Canon 6D. Um, so it's just like mm -hmm. that and like a couple lenses um, and like a Zion crane, like every travel videographer has. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ran around with that kit for a while. But um, yeah, now it's very... Did... Go ahead. Did you have a drone? Yeah, I had the... Uh... Phantom 3 to start. I remember nice. I bought it right before going to Iceland for the first time. And that was like the first 
international trip that was like very heavy photo and video focus before it was just like the goal was not to do photos it's just to hang out but that one was like i got a sony got the phantom uh got some lenses and yeah that kind of like set yeah on a path of when like you wanting to do that yeah when you got to iceland for example was it were you planning your days around shooting at that point or was it just you just bring a camera everywhere you went and you just went along for the journey yeah it was it was a lot of uh, just going along with the journey but obviously we ended up trying to fit the good spots in where there was good light uh, which is like the main thing to do for any travel trip where you're trying to get content but the beautiful thing about iceland is we went during the summer where um the sun doesn't set till midnight uh and it's basically just like blue hour for hours um because of the 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 summer like the midnight sun um so we would like hike at like midnight to 2 a.m and just have nobody there and we're just shooting beautiful light the entire time um that's nuts so cool who did you go with uh, i went with my brother and two friends uh and only one of them was a photographer so it was really just a friend's trip and we ended up doing this like four-day hike um and it really wasn't yeah it was loosely for the photos but for the most part it's just for fun um yeah but obviously it's hard not to take photos in iceland it's just so beautiful <laughs> right right <laughs> and so what's what's the big difference now you know when you're when you're looking to to do travel productions i mean obviously you know granted with covid and everything things the layout's a bit different but um you know do you are you going with a team now like like what does your operation and and process kind of look like now and and how has it developed um you know from when you first started kind of creating some of this content yeah it's it's completely different now um it is a lot more of thinking through locations and like maybe scouting on google maps uh google earth um we for the most time bring a sound person depending on the project and also a second shooter um and yeah the goal for the most of the time is just to shoot good content so we're doing sunrise and sunset and taking a break in between during the day um just to shoot nice light um so yeah everything is just tailored towards uh good light since it's like travel content is all natural light for the most part um right right yeah and and Alex, you know, how much is the companies you're working with? You know, how much are they a part of this creative process? How much do they have a say in what your team looks like? How big is it? Where are you going? What exact, you know, spots? Let's say, for instance, you go to Peru, you know, like, do are they saying what specific spots you go to? Like, what what is your relationship and, and I guess, um, workflow process look like when, when you're taking on these these projects with some of these uh, bigger clients? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, it, it really much depends on what the project is and who the client is, just like anything. But for instance, uh, like a lot of tourism boards like Visit Dubai or um, Visit Arizona have, they're, they're more media-based trips where you have a set structure of, um, we need to visit these locations to promote them. Um, and obviously that, is set in stone you can't really change much about those trips but there's other trips where you're more just like documenting one person um and their story and that is very much uh in our creative field where we can 
choose locations and choose times to shoot and choose um, like what story we're actually telling. So it, it does depend on the client and the project and the end goal, but um, it ranges from like, yeah, pure creative freedom to uh, set schedules. Um, just yeah. You, you mentioned visit Arizona. Um, how does it work when, you know, you get hit up to do a video, for example, video, uh, visit Arizona and you've never been there before. Do you, do a, a scout way in advance so you can start your creative process, uh, planning or do you, you know, just arrive a couple of days early or do you just Google earth scout it and then just knock it out on the day? What does that look like for you? Yeah. I, I wish we could spend like a week before in every location to like figure out where we're shooting, but, uh, the budget is always the issue there. Um, for the most part, yep. it is just like, Google Maps uh, and just online research and diving deep into yeah the parks and things like that and like scouting and trying to figure out where to shoot. But um, ideally, yeah, obviously there would be a couple scout days. Like we did a project for Timberland in Seattle um, in like the Mount Baker area where we did have that flexibility of being able to scout. So we scouted for like three days before the shoot and really nailed down like every location, every time of when to shoot these locations, like the lens choices, mm -hmm. um, and really like fine tuned everything so that we knew, uh, once we had talent, we could just nail all these shots exactly how we imagined. And, um, which also ends up being a way more, a way better video, but also just a way quicker production because you can like take three shots at this one location and say, yep, got it. And then we can move on yeah right yeah right. it seems like a way better way to go about it yeah it's ideal and and alex you know when you're looking at working with a potential company let, let's say someone you know it's a a location or actually let, let, let's go down that route you know like let's say you just have an interest in visiting i don't know thailand like where where do you where do you just start reaching out to random companies like where, do, where does your process look like with that and, and kind of, I guess, having more of a say of where you film and, and, and the style you have? Like, what does that process look like when you find a new location or a client you want to work with? Like, how do you go about um, bringing that that production to life? Are you leveraging like the past work you did with Timberland or are you pitching them like a very specific idea and project you want to do with that business in, in that country? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think it very much is a uh, an idea dump on them, or a lot. It's a lot of pre-production on our side and trying to figure out like what story we actually want to tell versus like finding a location and wanting to go there. I feel like we did that early on, starting out. Like it would be like, oh, we, for instance, like we wanted to go to Patagonia um, and do a road trip, so we hit up a bunch of van companies, like a bunch of hotels. Um, some resorts to try to figure out like, Hey, could we make this happen? If you could like, we do some photo for trade stuff or shoot a short video for you. Um, and I really enjoyed that. There's just, unfortunately like the budgets when you reach out like that are a lot smaller, especially like hotels and, um, like van companies. Like we work for this like mom and pop van company, which are amazing, but obviously their budgets are a lot less than, um, like Timberland or United, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, uh, at this point, a lot of it is um, just like our idea bank of these cool projects that we want to shoot. And we just try to find the right company to help support it. But um, right, right. 
Yeah. Um. So you have these idea banks. Like, is is it literally just ideas? Like, literally, like bullet point notes. For for instance, like myself, you know, I have like a list of bulletproof notes of specific like film or short or short commercial ideas of things I I want to make. But I don't necessarily like send that to a potential client I want to work with. I, like I build out a full um, treatment um, and generally I'll give them kind of a, a pitch proposal to like the idea budget I'd want to have, the amount of days I'd want to shoot, crew, etc. Like, are you building something uh, a bit more filled out like that when you're reaching out to these companies or do you leave it pretty general and, and just focus on, I guess, getting that initial uh, meeting or phone call? Um, yeah, it's a great question. I think it's a, it's honestly a little bit of both, um, for the clients that we have, that we have a really good relationship with it very much is like a very thought out idea, um, because they already know you and they already trust you. So your ideas are a lot less crazy to them than, uh, some random person who's never met you. So just that trust you're allowed, um, to be more in depth and to be more intentional in the pitches but for new clients we do come in with like a general idea um and maybe some references but it is a lot more open because we just obviously don't know as well how the company works or like what their goals are for content or for marketing um so it really just depends but uh i think going into a project with an idea is the easiest way to talk to somebody on the phone because if it's a good idea no matter who they are or even no matter what budget they have they're willing to talk to you um like another example is this bike trip that i went on we uh had this idea to ride our bikes from canada to mexico and it was like right after graduation is going to be this like story of us like uh taking some time off for work to like try to really figure out um what we want to do and also just to have this epic adventure and i think a lot of people easily latched onto that just because of the story and um like the craziness of it so yeah for the most part yeah having a great idea is like i mean that's what makes a great video it's not really the execution it's really the idea right And, and how do you how do you stay on top of these these uh bigger projects you know speaking from from my past experience for instance you know sometimes especially when you're you're pitching a project, you know, and, and let's say you're pitching it to Timberland or United. There's, I mean, the bigger the business, the more, you know, email chains and faces have to kind of look over the documents, read the paperwork, give the approval. How do you, how do you make sure that your productions happen? How do you like stay on top of these clients um, to make sure it sees it through and it's not just uh yeah, we're, we're kind of interested, but then nothing actually ever happens of it. You mean like to even just get to the production side or even like through the production? I guess like w- what is what is your process of, of winning a client over? Right. So like how do you how do you go from I often get asked from people, you know, like because they'll, they'll get people that are interested in working with them. Right. But they're never actually able to fully close the deal. Like I'm just curious, like what is what is your closing process kind of look like for, for you guys? I mean, is it just as simple as, you know, having an initial call and then sharing the idea in your portfolio and they just they're in or they're out from there or like how do you how do you stay on top of uh someone who's interested in working with you a bigger client but you know they're they're not necessarily jumping you know jumping right off the diving board to to jump into it right away they you know they're they're a little hesitant how do you how do you close that that client and that project yeah 
I think a lot of it ends up being consistency and like really just having a touch point with them throughout the entire process and like constantly have that communication um, just so that they don't forget about you or um, even like saying, hey, maybe this project or this idea isn't the right fit, but you know, we'll reach out in a couple of weeks uh, to see how you think or maybe if we have another idea to shoot it at them. But um, I think the other biggest thing is with bigger projects is uh, delegation. And I think we, at least I figured that out recently that delegation is really the key to one, both bigger projects, but also uh, your sanity. And so we've been <laughs> yeah. working with um, yeah some amazing, amazing producers to try to like help the entire process um, and who like take on this massive role of being um, the, the person in contact with the client. Like sometimes we just jump on creative calls and they are the ones doing the deals and making the budgets and hiring even the crew um so yeah that delegation of like finding a producer and finding good teammates to work with is like it's massive yeah do you still do all the editing yourself or do you outsource that or pick up editors for your team for the most part um i do most of it or my business partner does but um that's been the biggest struggle is trying to find somebody who uh like we trust but also is like local um just because sending files is a nightmare so we're still in the process of like finding yep. a good editor but um that is also the biggest time suck um which i'm sure everyone who edits videos knows it's just it's a grind so yeah definitely trying to find somebody to split that time with yeah it's it's a really hard situation or friction point for you know creators like you where you have so much that you need to edit and it's so hard to get an editor up to speed because you got to teach them your style and how you like to do things. And so much of the edit is like your signature as well. I think, especially for your videos because how vibey they are and whatnot. So it's hard to find a team member for that. But I think if you are able to, you know, groom someone and work with someone to get them to that point, it would help you scale the operations of, you know, your productions and whatnot too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And like for the most part, like ninety percent of the videos that we produce are not they like don't need crazy editing. So it really is mm -hmm. just trying to find yeah, somebody who we can bring up to speed and who we trust, but that is Yeah. Maybe maybe that this is where we ask it. Like if anyone in the New York area edits <laughs> there you go. Anyone in the New York area that wants to get in on some saucy content. Yeah. Uh, with Alex and his business partner that is reliable, trustworthy, can put yeah. together some great rough cuts, fine cuts, you know, uh, has, understand, has you know, has a sauce, understands transcoding, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. Hit hit the boy up, you know, you know where to find him. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I feel that it, it's a struggle. You know, I think so many content creators struggle with that whole scaling side of things so it's like you know you, you start off just by making videos yourself and then you start to get pretty good at making those videos and then it's like all right well now we're making bigger videos and we have a little bit more money and how do we find people to delegate stuff to you know you found that producer to help with the client work to help with the budgeting and the high hiring and probably payment of crew and now it's like okay well on the post-production side how can we start to scale that as well and i think it's just so smart for content creators to always have that in mind and to start trying to get ahead of that problem you know like if you think you have some projects bigger projects coming up 
try to start finding those people in advance to maybe give them little small projects or little passion projects to see if they might be able to fit into that that team of yours. So that way, once you do get those bigger projects, you can just turn it on and start really cranking that out and, and scale that that production and that operation. Totally. Yeah. It's scary too. Like yeah. it's scary to give up that freedom and also scary to like work with new people, especially new people. paid, paid yeah. projects when there's, yeah, there's like money on the line, but. And um, to be patient. And to be patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And teach like the process of how you do it. Um, right. Yeah, you know, uh, like normal companies, they would spend, you know, two, three months, you know, with someone like part-time or full-time, just getting them up to speed. You know, but us creators, we don't have the luxury of paying someone that long to do that, you know? So that's, that, you know, that's, that's difficult. But I, I think one piece of advice that I'd offer is to find people in your lane. Find people that are around you that you can collaborate with and have synergy with, uh, especially at, at your level where maybe you both shoot um, and maybe you can switch off editing videos for each other or, you, you know, you co-shoot on videos and then, you know, they can edit your video as well and then you can move on. And so you know, finding synergistic partnerships with other content creators locally will only help you kind of build up that operation. So, you know, if a gig calls for, you know, three, four shooters, you can bring in those three, four shooters, or if it just calls for one shooter and you got to delegate, you know, the editing to them, you know, maybe that might help. So, you know, get ahead of that stuff as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I love this, this topic of delegation. I, I think it's so, so important. Um, for instance, you know, my, myself actually look, I am currently in, in the looks for, for a producer and, and was able to, to hire a great editor a couple months ago who's been doing great work for me. So I would love to just kind of dive a bit more into this and, and maybe as well, Alex, um, would love to hear a little bit more just about your, your team and your guys' overall process. Um, and then maybe too, if you could just talk about like overall, like we're all content creators, right? But we're also all entrepreneurs. So I'd love to know as an entrepreneur, like, how do you manage your time? How do you delegate these tasks? What kind of systems and processes do you have in place um, to just help you, you know, operate more effectively and efficiently? Totally. I literally just got off the phone with my accountant. That is step one for anyone who's trying to yeah. do business. <laughs> get yourself. Yeah, I would CPA. recommend that as well. Get yourself QuickBooks. Get yourself like a business account and separate your entire life so that one half is everything business and one half is like your personal spending whatever like that like that is just step one um i i feel like so many people learn that but only after a year or two of successful business operations yeah Yeah. that's a year or two too late (laughs) yeah i think you know the the need of an accountant and cpa and all this stuff i think creators don't realize it until they've had a couple big years and then they go to the taxes and it's like shoot all of a sudden it's like i'm doing like a hundred thousand dollars worth of business expenses and income etc and it's like your cpa is looking at you like yo where is everything you know and so to to your point man like yeah if you know just like we want to get ahead of the content creators and and finding that team and getting ahead of that stuff, get, get synced with QuickBooks, get synced with your business accounts. You know, if you, if you have just in the beginning and you're ready to start doing some more client work, get it going in the beginning because it's so much harder to backtrack and find all that stuff than just to get set up in the beginning. 
Um, and, and definitely, I think one of the things that Kyle and I talk about a lot um, in our lecture episodes is to work with an accountant in the, in the beginning of the year to figure out how you're going to put all this stuff together, how you're going to categorize these expenses, how you're going to expense stuff. You know, so that way throughout the year, you're already kind of following that format. Um, and, you know, when you go to bring your stuff to your account, it's it's in a, a format that he could read. I was going to say the biggest thing with that, too, is like everything you do now, once you're a freelancer, you own your own business is based around time. Like every second you have is worth something. So if you especially when you start, you have a lot more time to do things like set up your business account because you don't have the clientele or you don't have like the projects constantly coming through. Um, so setting up mm-hmm. that early, like saves so much time later on that you can use to do outreach or to do projects. Um, yeah. 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 I, I imagine this time has been tough for you as a travel videographer or that you can't travel, you know, during this last year. And, um, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of days where it's just like, what the heck am I doing? And then there's other days where you had brilliant ideas to pivot and, and make the best of it. Do you think you could give our audience like one thing that you learned during this time that, you know, you could pass on to them that was beneficial for you? Yeah. First of all, I also don't, I I would never think of myself as a travel videographer. Uh, I think my Instagram, like I, don't, I hardly post my Instagram anymore, but uh, I think that obviously says I'm a vi- travel videographer, but I definitely feel just more as a videographer in general. Commercial. Um, yeah. But I think the biggest thing I learned in, COVID is like going along with my the Adobe video that I did was like with the time that I had, we shot a bunch of passion projects that ended up becoming full on client projects or like have got me into rooms that I wouldn't have been in without doing these. And I think mm-hmm. especially starting out, if you're if you have the time, like just shoot passion projects all day or just shoot in general. But um like we shot a Timberland spec early on in the pandemic that led to two big campaigns. Um, like the Adobe project led to more things uh, and another collaboration with Mitchell Mullins. I don't know if you guys know him super homie, but yep. um, yeah, it's just like with like, if you have time and I think that's the biggest thing is like with COVID, we all just had a bunch of time to do whatever we wanted. So it was like to use that time wisely and to shoot stuff that, we were also really proud of like a lot of times the client projects are very much in the voice of the client because in the end that's who's like trying to sell the product but when you're shooting passion projects it's it's all you you can have full creative freedom which is like yeah very uh hard to come by yeah it's hard to come by but it's also fulfilling to like lay everything down that you ever wanted to do on a project and like feel really great about it versus like a client project where you're like oh i wish i could have done this and this and this but there wasn't time or like it wasn't in the schedule like it just is the best way to get that like creative the juices out of you yeah right right and alex you know how do you how do you like position your own style and and your own personality like how do you position that in a way to get more clients to to leverage it to get bigger and better brand deals um yeah i don't think i leverage it i think i just do what i want to do and do it as best as i can i like most of the projects are just like the ultimate reflection of like how i feel at the time it's not like 
yeah, it might sell like some glitchy effects or like the quick edits, but for the most part, it's just like that's what I like to make, and like luckily, clients kind of also enjoy it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we work to wrap up here, Alex, it, it, do you have any kind of final thoughts that you'd leave for content creators of what they might do to, you know, increase their business, scale their business, kind of moving forward, and uh, any last tips? Uh, the, I feel like the one thing that I always tell people is to, uh, like, tap into the creative network in your community. Um, yeah. Not only will it open doors for client work like almost all the projects i shoot it's been like through a friend or through someone who's not even affiliated with the business it's like hey do you want to help second shoot this and then you end up being on the project and then you end up getting more projects through that yeah. but it's also like your creativity will grow so much by tapping into that local network um like you'll learn more you'll be more inspired and like that is just the root of being a creative. I feel like is having that network and like, uh, yeah, just growing it with your friends. It's also the most fun too. Like you just like have projects with your friends and like, that's the dream. So yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah. I tap, agree. In, tap into the local network. Amen. Yeah. It's the best. Tap into local networks, you know, build passion projects, do the stuff that you want to do as a creator to fulfill that passion but also find ways to tap into it with client work and merge those two worlds together so you can really fulfill yourself as a creator but also get paid so you can continue to be a creator think more about you know planning ahead in the future with your accountant think about building team structures i think there's so much that we learned on this podcast uh, alex so thank you for taking the time to drop these gems uh, for all audience out there, you can follow Alex on Instagram at Alex underscore Broadstock. And you can follow our podcast at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump. And you can follow myself at JJ Angler and Kyle at Cal Visuals. Other than that, that is all to, for today on Learn Videography. Alex, thanks for sure. taking the time to drop this knowledge to our audience. Alex. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, and appreciate best of luck guys. with your future endeavors. Yeah, thanks so much for having yes. me. It was a blast. And likewise. It's a blast. Awesome, man. Appreciate Much it. Much love. Much love. What's up, guys? Thanks for making it through another episode of Learn Videography. I hope you learned a ton because I know we did. We love having yes, these episodes. Sir. And we just wanted to quickly drop you some more knowledge about Jump Studios, our status, where we're at with everything. Um, as you know, one of the perks of Jump Studios is actually the perks itself. So if you join Jump Studios, you sign up, you'll have access to uh, discounts to other partners in the industry, in addition to AudioSocket. So we have people like FilterGrade, we're offering 20% off their products. Moment, which is offering 15% off their products. We have uh, our music video templates, which are 50% off. Bloodhouse is doing 30% off. Epidemic Sound is doing a couple free months and so much more. So if you sign up to Jump Studios, you'll also have access to these perks for no additional cost. Um, in terms of the status, Kyle, where are we at with status of Jump Studios right now? Yeah, so we've got a beta launch that we just recently opened up to the public here. And so we're really looking for some select creators like you guys listening here, you know, that are really dedicated to growing and optimizing their video production business to test out our brand new video review feature. So you can go ahead and jump into the platform, sign up now and check out that video review feature, share it with 
some of your friends or maybe some of your smaller clients, you know, and check out what, what, what some of these features are like, you know, and how you can use them to your advantage, like annotating on the video files, um, putting exact time markers yep. for different changes you might want, um, utilizing for review or presentations to give them kind of more of that finalized, perfect product. Um, so it's, it's a great platform. We're really excited for you guys to check it out. Yeah, and like Kyle said, we're slowly giving access to everybody to use it. But if you go to jumpstudios.io, sign up. We'll email you when it's your time to sign up. Uh, at this stage, it's free just to get started. Uh, just because we want to get people involved. We, we're looking for feedback. We want to make this as good as possible. So if you want to join us on this journey, go to jumpstudios.io to get started. We'll see you there.